Hello, in today's show, aid to Afghanistan in the international spotlight, a meningitis alert in DR Congo and alarming developments in northern Ethiopia as conflict escalates across Tigray's borders. That's all coming up in this week's UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva. Thanks for listening. First, the news with Katie Dartford. This is the news in brief from the United Nations. People across Afghanistan face unimaginable suffering, but the UN is committed and has a duty to stay and help those in need, the United Nations Secretary-General Antonio Guterres has said. For that to happen, the new Taliban government must provide full access for humanitarian workers and other key guarantees, the UN chief insisted. Girls must be allowed to go to school and women must be allowed to work, Mr Guterres explained in a BBC interview, highlighting the need for a relationship of trust between the UN and Afghanistan's new leaders. The UN Secretary-General said that humanitarian aid can be an important entry point for future engagement with the Taliban. They understood that aid is essential and that the international community will be more willing to provide assistance if those conditions are met, Mr Guterres said. His comments coincided with the Taliban's appointment of senior interim leadership positions on Tuesday. Staying with Afghanistan, the Taliban takeover has left people in a dire position with basic services collapsing, UN humanitarians have warned. Ahead of a major fundraising conference for the country in Geneva on 13th of September, the UN Food and Agriculture Organization warned that one in three Afghans is acutely food insecure. Echoing that message, the UN Humanitarian Coordination Office, OCHA, warned on Tuesday that basic services in Afghanistan are collapsing and food and other life-saving aid is about to run out. Action to help ordinary Afghans must be taken now ahead of the fast-approaching winter wheat season, said FAO Director of the Office of Emergencies and Resilience, Rain Paulson. Towards the end of September, we need to make sure that planting is starting. There's a there's a very short window of time to be able to address that. Uh, the seeds can't wait. The farmers can't wait. We need to do everything we can to ensure that those vulnerable households are supported. To Yemen now, where there's been no let-up in more than six years of conflict, nor the climate of fear among civilians, UN-appointed independent rights experts said on Wednesday... In a new report commissioned by the Human Rights Council into how the war has been waged over the last 12 months, the panel condemned the same egregious violations that have characterised their previous findings. These include airstrikes by the Saudi-backed International Coalition that support the Yemen government and indiscriminate shelling of civilians, particularly by the Houthis, but also by the government of Yemen and the coalition. The group of eminent experts also said that the Southern Transitional Council were responsible for specific violations, while its power-sharing deal with the government of Yemen remains largely dysfunctional. Highlighting how intense hostilities have been on the Marib front in the past 12 months and in many other locations, the UN-appointed panel of independent experts urged a full cessation of hostilities and an end to the supply of arms to Yemen by third parties. They also warned in their report on Wednesday that everyday life in Yemen is now unbearable for many, as in addition to the conflict, people have to contend with disease outbreaks, the COVID-19 pandemic, flooding, import restrictions, an economic and fuel crisis and limited humanitarian aid. A meningitis outbreak has been declared in northeastern Democratic Republic of the Congo, where the World Health Organization has been supporting the authorities to deploy emergency assistance. More than 260 suspected cases and 129 deaths have been reported in Shopo province, 
a high case fatality ratio of 50%, the UN Health Agency said on Wednesday. Tests carried out by the Institute Pasteur in Paris detected Neisseria meningitis. It's one of the most frequent strains of the bacterial form of the disease and has the potential to cause large epidemics. WHO said that more than 100 patients are receiving treatment at home and in health centres in Benalia, the community affected by the outbreak. Meningitis is potentially fatal and must be treated with antibiotics as soon as possible. Major improvements have also been made on vaccines to treat the viral form of the disease, which is transmitted through the air by infected carriers. Although people of all ages can catch the disease, it mainly affects babies, children and young people. Katie Dartford, UN News. Thanks to Katie Dartford for the news and now for this week's interview, which focuses on the deteriorating situation in Tigray and beyond for many millions of people. Conflict erupted 10 months ago between federal government troops in Ethiopia and forces loyal to the Tigrayan region's rulers. That happened after Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed ordered a military offensive following an attack on central government barracks. Trying to help those caught up in the fighting is the UN World Food Programme and national and international partners. But it's not easy to do this in an active conflict zone, as we'll hear from WFP spokesperson Thompson Ferry now. Look, we have seen the entire northern part of Ethiopia has been engulfed by a conflict now. Um, we have seen more and more people being pushed into extreme the levels of hunger, particularly in Afar and Amar regions. In addition to the 5.2 million people in Tigray, a further 1.7 million have now been pushed into hunger in Afar and Amara regions. What scares me the most is not the number of people I need. What scares me is the pace and rate at which we can be able to assist them because there's just been very limited assistance going into these regions. We have faced a lot of challenges. We've only been able since mid-July and September 5 to get 335 trucks. This is a crisis that needs 100 trucks per day, 100 trucks daily. All we've been able to do in almost three months is 335, which is less than 10% of the aid requirements for that region. And that's a major concern. So how can you get 100 trucks a day? It seems almost impossible. I wouldn't say it's impossible. We need all authorities to understand the extent of the need. We need the parties to the conflict to grant humanitarian organizations, particularly the World Food Programme, a greater access. There are a lot of bureaucratic impediments. There are security checkpoints. My colleagues were telling me that a stretch of about 400 kilometers, they can encounter up to 10 security checkpoints. And at each and every stop, they are rigorously checked. It should not really be happening like that. Also, local communities, when they see aid convoys passing through their communities, some of them sometimes attack convoys and loot food commodities. And all this further complicates what is already a very complicated scenario. Yes, and I can't imagine how difficult it must be for humanitarians who have to stay neutral and they can't go with military convoys and escorts to get this aid to where it's really needed, the real priorities. How many people, how many millions of people, it's more than 10 million, isn't it, that you're looking to reach right now? In Ethiopia, the whole country, there are approximately 13.6 million people who are in need. In the north, 
which is Afar, Tigray, and Amara region, you have about 7 million people who are in dire need of assistance. For our programs as the World Food Program, we are targeting to reach at least 5 million people in the north. In the entire country, we want to be saving as well as changing lives for about 12 million people. Right. And in terms of the areas of Tigray and Afar and Amara that you're talking about now, what's your access? Is it total now? Because it hasn't always been, that's for sure. It hasn't always been. What is happening is that sometimes you're granted access, sometimes you're not. Um, Sometimes you gain access, but sometimes it comes rather late. And when access is delayed, it is equivalent to access denied because time is of the essence. You need to be able to reach and access areas in need in a timely fashion. You also need to be able to deploy staff in and out of these regions with ease. So it is not always sometimes total access that you need, but you need regular sustained access to bring about change. And now that this aid has reached Tigray in Shire and Tate Kararo, how many people will be assisted and for how long, a month? Yes. Aid workers are telling me this morning that with the latest arrival of over 100 trucks and 3,500 metric tons of food on the 5th of September, they are now launching the next round of distributions for another month. We had reached 1.8 million in the second round. So in Tigray, we are now targeting 3 million people for a month. But we are also targeting 530,000 people in Afar and 250,000 people in Amara region. And your funding needs are? WFP is calling for an additional 426 million to expand its emergency food assistance response over the next six months, as well as to provide long-term food security solutions for people in greater Ethiopia. You spoke about the wider needs throughout Ethiopia. Maybe you could just highlight the existing threats before this 10-month conflict in northern Tigray or in Tigray started. Climate change droughts, COVID-19, and the conflict just came. It has just been a tapestry of crisis after crisis. This is a country that is caressing from one crisis to the next. We are looking at about 12 million people in need, particularly now as they are approaching the hunger season. The hunger season, maybe you could just pad that out a bit for me. Basically, this is the time in between harvests when people struggle the most to resource food. This is when food reserves are depleted the most. People would have planted, they would have harvested, and then they would have consumed all that they harvested and now are reliant either on markets or on international support for survival. Just on the planting season, I remember you saying a while back that because of the pillaging, because of the fighting, that even basic irrigation systems had been removed. So what's the likelihood of communities being able to look after themselves at this point without international support or government support to rebuild that vital infrastructure? When you're in a conflict zone, um, even a day of fighting has repercussions for up to 18 months in terms of the harvest. Targeted attack at a critical juncture in the planting season. People who were supposed to have put seeds to the ground, they may fail to do so. People who were supposed to move their livestock into grazing pastures may fail to do so. People are struggling. So many of them failed to plant. So many of them failed to harvest. So they have really, really absolutely nothing except international support. 
Thompson Fury there from the World Food Programme. His alert echoing the warning from the United Nations Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, who said only days ago that a humanitarian catastrophe is unfolding before our eyes in Ethiopia. National and regional unity are at stake, he said, and what's needed are an immediate ceasefire and the launch of national political dialogue. With that appeal in mind, let's turn to our regular guest, Solange Berhatege-Cortez, for some closing thoughts. Hi, Solange. Hola, Daniel. What do you make of the situation in Ethiopia then? Yeah, you know that Harar is one of the legendary cities of ancient Ethiopia. For centuries, it was forbidden for foreigners. African traders were left outside at the mercy of the lions. They would hardly have been safer inside the walls. Such a reputation attracted only the most intrepid adventurers. One of them was the French poet Arthur Rimbaud. He became a coffee merchant in Harar, but trading coffee was not the only reason why Rimbaud went to Ethiopia. In fact, he was finishing his poem, A Season in Hell, with the hope, as he announced, that he would return with iron limbs, dark skin, and furious eyes. After going through the crucible in another poem named Patience, he wrote, I am willing that the seasons wear me out. To you, nature, I surrender, and my hunger and all my thirst. And if you will, feed and water me. Daniel, Ethiopia has more than four seasons. Thompson Ferry from the United Nations World Food Programme said that people in North Ethiopia entered the yearly hunger season when all resources have been exhausted. It is the season of emptiness. And as we know, it can be a time of dead. Time is running out for millions of people across Northern Ethiopia. And if WFP doesn't receive immediate funding, the agency will be forced to cut rations. Even worse, halt distributions to some 4 million people that they're trying to reach in Afar, Amara, and Tigray. More than 13 million people are food insecure from the prolonged combined effects of drought, flooding, locust invasions, market disruptions, and high food prices. And now, the COVID-19 pandemic, all made worse by conflict. Unlike Rimbaud, these 13 million people do not wish to surrender. But unless they receive support now, this hunger season may be their last. Thank you, Solange. No doubt UN humanitarians and partners are doing all they can to reach those in need, even if this story has dropped off the news somewhat. That's all we have time for, though. So my thanks to Katie Dartford for helping with this week's show. To you, Solange, for being here to wrap things up as well. Thank you, Daniel. Ciao. Hasta la próxima. Thank you. And, and also to you listeners, a big thanks for taking an interest in what we're doing here at the United Nations. Please do drop us a line on your favourite social media platform. Just look for UN Geneva. We'll be back next week. Bye bye for now.
Hello again. Before I sign off, here's news of a brand new audio series you might like. It's the UN Climate Podcast, No Denying It. It features young climate changemakers from across our warming planet who show us how we can make a positive impact in our daily lives. Listen in wherever you get your podcasts every Thursday. Young people from the first time in several centuries, they don't believe that their life will be better than their father's. There's no denying it. Stopping climate change is simple. We need to stop digging up fossil fuels and burning them just to get energy. Our current climate crisis is directly linked to colonization when we think of colonization as a system that's always thinking about extraction. It's hard to focus on individual rights or our wealth inequality if literally they can't breathe the air or there's fires pushing them out of their communities or their home. Quitting our addiction to fossil fuels is going to take solutions in every industry, at every scale, in every nation on the planet. It's not because of CO2. It's because we approached the planet with an unbalanced worldview. And so, of course, eventually the world became unbalanced. So if we can take some lessons and teachings from indigenous cultures, if we as individuals can hold a balanced view in our minds, then it's just a matter of time before the world balances as well. Our vision is to be able to replicate this process in every part of the world that there is sea and fishermen. It made you understand your place better, made you feel really humble and want to work a lot to preserve the well-being of this plant that has existed so many ages. No denying it, the UN Climate Action Podcast brings you the voices of young climate changemakers from across our warming planet. These activists, engineers, and entrepreneurs show us how we can make big changes in our homes, our jobs, where we vote and pray, and with our family and friends. I believe everyone is put in this world for a purpose. And my purpose was always to create a dent in the universe by impacting the environment space. That is my purpose. We all have to start somewhere, but the important thing is to get started. There's no denying it. Find No Denying It, the United Nations Climate Action Podcast, wherever you listen.